We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yeah, I think just the resilient nature of our team, you know, winning, winning 13 games in the regular season, I think that's, that says a lot about our players. That says a lot about our coaches. It's it's a tough league, right? And so you go in and you and you put your best foot forward. And unfortunately, we didn't we didn't play a very good game yesterday, and a, and a good team beat us. So, but again, it offers a a look into uh, or a lens that we can look through and say, hey, this is these are some of the areas we have to get better at in order for us to win. Bills head coach Sean McDermott. All right, we get to our weekly segment with. Joe Marino of the Draft Network and the Lockdown Bills podcast with plans to uh, hit the Senior Bowl, right, Joe? That's uh, that's the the schedule for you. Yeah, that's right. I'll be leaving Monday morning and, and there for the entire week, and then off to Arizona for all the Super Bowl festivities. So busy two weeks here coming up for me. Yeah. Well, before we get to you know full draft mode and also free agency mode and all that good stuff, the end of season look back at. What happened, the game, the season, all of it, as uh, we kind of turn the page here. So let's start with your thoughts on on the game against Cincinnati. There seems to be, I think, a general feeling that the Bills got A, pushed around, B, outcoached. You know, when you look at that game, what is worth reacting to versus overreacting to? Because that's something I think Brandon Bean made a point. Like, they don't want to overreact, but what happened in that game that is worth reacting to? Yeah, I... I... I appreciate both sides of this because uh, on one hand, it feels like the disappointment of the loss has clouded a good season, 13-3. and three, and the, That's the most games the Bills have ever won in the season, 13. They've done it four times now. Uh, Seven-game win streak to end the year, obviously a statistically very good team. Um, but a lot of expectations for this season, for this to be the one that the Bills pull through, get over the hump, get to the Super Bowl, and you know that didn't happen. And so – um, I think it's good to keep that perspective that there's a lot of good things that that's happened for this football team, but uh, to, to really get big boyed at home, um, whether it was the line of scrimmage, both sides of the football, especially a Bengals team with, you know, three backups on that offensive line and their, their center Ted Karras is out. You really feel like you don't have enough on the, the defensive line. It doesn't feel like you have enough on the offensive line, uh, but also in the, in terms of the weapons and, um, I think that's where I really come away with concerns about what needs to improve this offseason. It's O-line, it's D-line, it's weapons for Josh Allen. And I think the lack of those things showed up in the biggest way possible in this game against the Bengals, and it has to be a priority for the team to improve moving forward. When it comes to the defensive line, you know, I, I 
mentioned this during the week. Like, how how big should the changes be from a defensive standpoint? I mean, a Sean McDermott defense, a Leslie Frazier defense, they play nickel, right? It's going to be two linebackers. The biggest piece at linebackers, a big decision to make. So just how different should the defense look? I mean, are we talking coaching changes, wholesale changes, philosophical changes when it comes to the way that Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier have built their defense? Well, it's interesting because if you if you think of the Bills' starting defensive line as Greg Rousseau, Von Miller on the end, Daquan Jones, and Ed Oliver on the inside, you feel good about that. But you didn't have half of that against the, this Bengals team, and that really exposed the depth that you've wanted to develop to this point in A.J. Epinesa and Boogie Basham. And uh, those guys really couldn't step up and – uh, prove that they're anything more than replacement-level rotational players. Ed Oliver as a top-ten pick. You would hope he could have been more impactful in a game like that. And so um, you wonder if it's just a matter of some of those injuries and uh, it being better if everyone's healthy. Jordan Phillips obviously trying to play with a torn rotator cuff. That was pretty obvious that he was ineffective. You know, you wonder if you have your guys at full strength if it's a different conversation. But um, it's still exposed, I think, a lot of weaknesses in that that front in terms of the depth, especially for a team that wants to rotate as much as the Bills do. But I think you've now seen a sample size of four playoff losses over the last four years where defensively the, the, the team, it felt like that that's what let down the team, whether it was uh, allowing Houston to get back into things in the second half of that game back in 2019 or the last two against Mahomes, or excuse me, the last three against uh, Mahomes and one against Burrow where the, the team has just given up a lot of yards and a lot of points. And for as good as Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier's defense continues to be during the regular season, statistically very, very good, it feels like in these big games in the playoffs, it just doesn't meet the moment. And um, I I think a lot of it's philosophical, where uh, the Bills really rely on schematically you as an offense to have to stack play after play and go on sustained drives to score points. And on one hand, you know, that can be difficult for teams to stack together 10, 11, 12 plays to score. And I understand that ideology. But against these premier offenses, not taking away something has really hurt them. Yeah, I think Burrow and Mahomes are happy to say, okay, yeah, if we'll take free access and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go 10, 11, 12 plays when we need to and score touchdowns against you. And they've done that in these big games where – I would like to see this defensive scheme do a better job of actually taking something away um, and and forcing teams to embrace a different style to score as opposed to uh, being so uh, concerned with not getting gashed with big plays down the field. And and so I think that's what I'm looking for is an ideology uh, uh, change here uh, to be more deliberate about taking away dynamics that make offenses great. And um, I think these, these good offenses in the playoffs continue to expose uh, some inconsistency and some, you know, I, for lack of a better word, some softness to the way the Bills play defense. And then what about Tremaine Edmonds for you as the season now ends and it felt like there was more and more momentum throughout the year of, okay, it's, this isn't even really a conversation, that he's a great player and that they're, you know, they're trending towards maybe paying him. And maybe he, I mean, there were a couple of, plays you can watch back where he just gets eaten alive by tackles or whatnot by the Bengals. Are you in any different spot with Edmonds after the year? Do you still feel like he is worthy of that 13 to $15 million, whatever it might be, uh, extension with the Bills? 
Well, I think if the Bills can get him for 13 to $15 million a season, that would be a, a very easy uh, re-sign, in my opinion. I think where it gets a little bit more challenging is if he starts to push this 18 19 $20 million range that you've seen Roquan Smith and Fred Warner and Shaquille Leonard get recently. Um, and so that makes it interesting to me. But I think – I think Tremaine Edmonds is the right middle linebacker for this defense. Um, you know, obviously, five years as a starter, he's he just finished his age 24 season. He turns 25 in May. And I think he's got a lot of experience under his belt. Um, I think his ability and coverage is a big, big difference maker for the team with the range that he can cover. Everyone losing their mind over Fred Warner being able to drop and carry uh, C.D. Lamb down the down the seam. Well, I didn't – Tremaine Edwards, Edmonds made the same play the week before against uh, the Dolphins getting in that deep middle and getting a fingertip on the ball and, and really disrupting that. I, I think I think Tremaine's really good in coverage, and that's a big deal in today's modern NFL. Um, and, you know, he's a guy that's always going to be better as a downhill player when he's got a real one tech. And I think some of that was exposed uh, against the Bengals not having Daquan Jones. And I think Daquan Jones has been a big benefit to Tremaine Edmonds. And so I think your people are going to get hung up on some highlights of, or I guess lowlights for Tremaine where he's having to deal with a lot of contact playing downhill. Well, they, I mean, he didn't have, he had 25% of Jordan Phillips. He didn't have Daquan Jones. Um, and I think that that's a big deal for, for Tremaine being able to play downhill and be free and be able to fill gaps. I, I think Tremaine Edmonds is a player that predictively I think the Bills will prioritize him as their number one priority this offseason, but also I, I feel like I'm also rooting for that to happen. Waiting to find out what happens on the defensive side at coordinator Leslie Frazier. You, you made a, a, a case about him and what, what this defense has done in the playoffs. On the other side, uh, Brandon Bean yesterday referring to Ken Dorsey as going into year two. Sounds like another year of Ken Dorsey. So what kind of grade would you give Dorsey as a first-year play caller and what has to change from his standpoint, from year to one to year two? Well, you know, it's, you think about Ken Dorsey and the way people felt about him through the first quarter of the season until now. It's, it's been a journey. Uh, it probably uh, less favorable viewpoints than, you know, kind of those early season games. And, you know, I think, I think Ken Dorsey will be better for this season um, as a first-time play caller. Uh, I think there's some things that he needs to consider in terms of, you know, balance within the passing attack and, and finding consistency and how he wants to attack defenses in that way. And, you know, being more consistent with how he mixes in the run game and, you know, it, for all the emphasis that was placed on this team to get a pass catching back, whether it was J.D. McKissick or drafting James Cook or trading for Nike Hines, still seeing that as uh, something that really didn't come to fruition this year. I think there's some, some layers to his offense that need to find that needs to stabilize, to be honest with you. But, you know, I, I think for him to pretty much replicate everything uh, from a year ago under Brian Dayball in his first season, while simultaneously there's a lot of thoughts out there that the Bills didn't have a good enough offensive line and they don't have enough weapons outside of uh, Stefan Diggs. You know, I, I think that it's, it's pretty impressive, to be honest with you, for him to have the results that he did while those dynamics existed. I know that 10 points – and a home playoff game is is not where it needs to be. Uh, I feel like Blue Anarumo absolutely ran circles around Ken Dorsey, um, but I, I would say that um, Blue Anarumo ran circles around a lot of people in the playoffs to this point, and I, I, I think it matters a lot that Josh Allen wants Ken Dorsey to be his offensive coordinator. So I think there's a lot going there. I think you could feel disappointed 
and kind of how the offense finished the season, especially against the Bengals, but also have some optimism about how you know everything can evolve in year two. When it comes to one of the things that we talked about coming into this year, Joe, Joe Marino of the Draft Network and the Locked On Bills podcast, yards after catch, and it didn't come to fruition. They were, again, near the very bottom of the league in yards after catch. And I guess the first question I would have is, should people care about that that much? I mean, Josh Allen's a downfield thrower, right? A lot of times we get into this conversation about should you lean into this or try to, you know, uh, detour over here. They're not a good yards after catch team. I think they probably could be a better one with different schemes, with maybe better yards after catch players. So two-parter for you, Joe. How big a deal should it be, and how should they look to get better at it? Well, I think yards after catch can really help an offense, obviously. It's additional yards that's not relying on Josh Allen air yards to really move the ball. And I think that's kind of baked into what I'm referring to when I say a more balanced passing offense, where you want Josh Allen and his rocket launcher to push the ball down the field with a level of consistency. Probably 15% of the time you're looking for that. Uh, but, you know, even even the most aggressive vertical passing offense, you're talking 20, 20% of your throws, 20 yards down the field, that's still uh, 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 not a huge part of any offense. You're still working the short to intermediate areas of the field, even for the most aggressive passing offenses. And I think doing a better job of taking free access throws, doing a better job of being uh, consistent with ball placement on shorter throws to allow guys to stay up and win after the catch – um, I think incorporating some of those dynamics into the passing game is only a benefit. And I don't think you have to kind of take away what they want to do vertically at the expense of yards after catch. I don't think I look at the bills and say, I want Josh Allen to be a top 10 player in the league when it comes to yards after catch per completion. But I think going from, you know, bottom five to somewhere in the middle of the pack is a reasonable place to be. You're basically talking about, an additional yard after catch per completion to get into that range. And so I think it can help the offense, and it really does in a lot of ways uh, resemble what I mean when have a more balanced passing offense because I, I think there's ways to make it easier for Josh Allen as opposed to kind of living with the results of low percentage throws no matter who's your quarterback and who your receivers are. That being said, well, we're going to talk so much about weapons. I can't can't wait to start get diving into wide receiver stuff with you. Um, I, what is the right type of weapon for this offense, or is any good weapon, I guess, a good idea here? Whether it's down the field, you know, deep ball type of specialist, or if it's you know the guy you throw the ball to on a bubble screen and just watch him go. Like, what to you is the prototypical um, thing the Bills need in terms of a weapon for Josh Allen right now? Yeah, I think it's a more complete player as the wide receiver, too. Gabe Davis goes from the number four receiver to the number two receiver, and Gabe is just not a complete player, and he's not a guy that runs every route. He's not a guy that uncovers quickly in the quick game. He's not a guy that produces yards after catch. And so I think having those limitations as the receiver that you rely on to make defenses pay for the amount of attention they want to place on Stephon Diggs is putting yourself in a hard spot because he's a limited player in terms of his skill set. That doesn't mean he doesn't bring value. Most players are limited, right? That, that's so, that's, so don't take that as a shot. That's a pretty normal thing. But 
I think putting a player that has limitations in terms of the ways they can win on the field into a position where you need a more do-everything player, that limits your passing offense. And I think that's a, a big reason why maybe the Bills had, had stalled out at times offensively when teams are able to key in on digs. And so a more complete skill set, a, a more dynamic route runner, a more consistent player after the catch, a guy with more athleticism, I think those are the traits that I would be looking for in that number two receiver opposite of Stefan Diggs. In regard to that, Joe, like I, I'm going to say a lot first-round receiver, but second round would be fine with me because you know we've pointed it out, and you, of course, scouting so many of these drafts, late first round and second round, there have been a ton of really good receivers to be drafted. It's almost like a little bit of a sweet spot for the position to get. Yeah, there's no question about it. And I, I received a question about this on the podcast that I did for today on Lockdown Bills about, you know, could the Bills really get a wide receiver, a meaningful receiver later, you know, later in the first round or on day two? And I, I love the opportunity to remind people of the players just this year. Second round picks, George Pickens, Christian Watson, Alec Pierce, Romeo Dubs in the fourth round. The NFL has done a very good job of finding day two receivers and that's just this year. That doesn't even get me into the Rolodex of Kyrie McLaurin and DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown and Debo Samuel. All these guys are second-round picks. The Bills got to find one of those players. T. Higgins for the Bengals, second-round pick. I think the Bills have to have to find that type of a, of an impact player, and they can. Like the, the, every year, you see these day two receivers uh, wind up being very meaningful playmakers for their offense, and I think it's the Bills' turn to find one of them. So Senior Bowl next week, and then what? Just like digging deep into it with the Draft Network. I'm ready for the mock draft machine. <laughs> yeah, you'll know yeah. my uh, you'll know my ISP, Joe, by how many times I draft a receiver. I'm going to draft the Bills seven receivers by the time I'm done. Yeah, so, so next week I'm I'm in Mobile, Alabama for the entire week. So we'll you know obviously Senior Bowl that, that's huge, and there's a you know the entire NFL's there. So there's a lot of good information gathering uh, there, and then I. I leave from Mobile and I go to Phoenix for a week. So uh, I'm going to be on the road the next two weeks and be back for a little while, obviously doing a bunch of draft stuff and then the combine for a week. So it's that it's that time of year where it feels like uh, on one hand it slows down because there's not as many games, but all the other stuff picks up. So it's a, yeah. bit, a bit of a wash here until about May. All right, very good. Well, thanks again. We'll uh, we'll talk next week. You know, Senior Bowl and the whole off season. We'll we'll be ready. We'll, we know you're good for uh, for all the information, and I'm trusting you on all these picks. And I'm gonna be right. I'm gonna be coming hard for receiver and offensive line. We're good with that. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you, Joe Marino of the Draft Network and the Locked On Bills podcast. I'm gonna fall in love with every receiver that is mentioned. I I'll have a new name every week. Jordan, you, Jordan, you, you'll pick you'll pick your favorites though, nah, right? Like, no, Jordan Addison. That's who it is this week. Who was the guy? Was it Drake London last year that you weren't really big on? Or Was it just for no, fantasy? It was Traylon Burks? Yeah, okay, because right. he didn't he didn't separate. Yeah, I trusted Joe on this. I feel like Joe he doesn't separate at the college level. I'm, I'd be worried about him separating. Okay, at the, so at the pro level, so Traylon Burks is reincarnated into this year's draft. It's fine, I don't care. It's not anything as, and yes, anything. I mean, who did I love last? I mean, Pickens was a good idea last year because, you know, he his stock was down because of an injury. Christian Watson, Zach Jones, who produces in the evenings now and with Shelton Bulldog, he was big on Christian Watson. It took Watson a half a year to show up, and then he was just he was awesome. I mean, Christian Watson is, for me, like as Joe's breaking down the answer, what kind of receiver you want? 
my answer would be inside outside. Can do it all. Yeah. And not someone that the Bills draft on the inside and say, oh, he can play the outside. And that was true of Jamison Crowder, too. Oh, he can play the out. No, no, no. You can't. The Bills just can't say that a person can do it without right. a lot of evidence that he can. So somebody that's inside outside or elite slot. And not not necessarily like the Beasley slot. That was Jahan Dotson for me last year. I loved that idea. Slot that can stretch the field slot where you're they talking. They can actually play on the outside yes. also. Tyler yeah. Lockett is an incredible yeah. slot guy that can stretch. So, whatever. I'm excited about it. I'm excited. You know, people are a little more on board. Last year, every single wide receiver conversation was, yeah, okay, corner two. Yeah, okay, corner two. Yeah. This year, it feels like a very, very large portion of the fan base is ready to invest in receiver and you know the years of it the the all the defensive end draft picks part of the reason those all made sense was expensive position cost effective that's true of receiver too if mm-hmm. you want to get a wide receiver on the free agent market they get expensive a good way to save money for a team that's cap strapped and starting to pay its big players more money is to get a receiver 8030550 one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. Kevin Cole, Pro Football Focus, points this out. Yesterday, Brandon Bean, one of the things he talked about about the Bengals was how those guys are on rookie deals, right? Chase and mm-hmm. Burrow, and that our guys are not, and that is true to a, to a point. But Allen's cap hit this year was sixteen million. He, his cap hit goes up next year, and Diggs had an extension that kicks in next year too. Allen and Diggs, their combined cost next year goes up $32 million. <laughs> so, so it really becomes real in 2023. Yeah, it wasn't even really a thing this year. Yeah. Their extensions hit next year, and you also have Dawson Knox getting an extension. You almost get to a point, Joe, where now look how much money you're spending on offense. It better be a top five offense in the league. If it's not, it's really failing. And you got to draft something to help make that $32 million increase in Allen and Diggs, make that worth your while. Spend a first or second round pick to make sure Allen's at his best. Diggs is getting his most production in his age 30 season. Better to forget it coming up. I also have a funny story I want to tell you. I had a scare last night. You'll probably laugh at it, but I'll a tell funny, you. A funny scare? A funny scare. Okay. I I can laugh about it now, but it was a, okay. big, it was a big, big scare last night. I'll tell you about that next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Samuelson gets a glove on it, puts it off the boards, but Perico trying to bank it off the wall. That's intercepted. Alex Tuck and Jeff Skinner working in. Here's Tuck carrying it in. Drops it back. Tate Thompson scores! Tage Thompson comes back to St. Louis where it all started and a lovely finish puts Buffalo up 4-0 early in the second period. Tage revenge game. And that's uh, one of the Firth moments of the game. Brought to you by Firth Jewelers. For all the moments in your life, go forth to Firth. Sabres win. Talking Bills today and, uh, you know, still kind of moving through the season ending at the hands of the Cincinnati Bengals. Get some calls in. I've got my story about my scare. We'll get calls in first and, uh, you know, keep plugging along here. We're, we're guest-free the rest of the way, so we're wide open. Anybody wants to call, chat, and I'll tell you about my, my scare last night. It, it's regarding watching the kids by myself. And it's okay. not like anybody was in danger, but just a scare. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, I'll get to that. Um, before calls, you, you had said something in the break about Joe Burrow's next contract. Like, what's yeah. that? I want to remind you and, and remind everybody – so last year the Bengals were in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And it was a very little one comment from Carson Palmer about Burrow. And he said he had real concerns as to whether or not the Bengals would pay him. And that's right. as uh, that was like on Radio Row. On Radio Row yeah. at the Super Bowl. Carson Palmer has experience with the Cincinnati Bengals, of course. Who are notoriously cheap compared to other teams. Back when the Bills were a cash-to-the-cap team, the Bengals were one of those cash-to-the-cap teams. Yep. Now maybe the landscape has changed. But you asked, is Burrow going to get $60 million in his contract? Yeah. Maybe. He, and Rodgers is getting 51 and he might be about to go to back-to-back Super Bowls. Burrow. $60 million. Yeah. Burrow. Yeah. Burrow might be back-to-back Super Bowls. This offseason also, the San Diego Chargers, sorry, the Los Angeles Chargers became the first team in football to pay two receivers $20 million. Keenan Allen yeah. and Mike Williams. And my thoughts upon seeing that was they will not be the last. That will soon be normal. With exploding salaries, and we did this with the NHL salary uh-huh. cap. Oh, you can't pay a, a, just one line of a team. You sure can, and teams in the NFL are about to pay quarterbacks sixty million, and uh-huh. two receivers are going to make twenty five each, because yeah, those are the positions that uh, you know. Well, I mean, maybe this doesn't have to be a conversation about Burrow, like what Carson Palmer said last year, and just the fact that the Bengals historically don't invest a lot of money in the team compared to other teams. They cannot not pay Burrow. Like, there's, there's right. no way they can't do that. But do they have to pay T. Higgins? I bet they pay both Higgins and Chase because okay. with Higgins and Chase, Higgins was drafted a year earlier than Chase. Or is uh-huh. it one year or two years? I think it's uh, two, two years. The point I'm going to make is that Higgins doesn't have the fifth-year option. Chase does. And Chase being younger means they have Chase cost-controlled. Three more seasons. Yes. And Higgins has one more year. Right. So I think they'll pay them both. So the, the timing kind of works out that, yep. they'll, that they'll do it that I way. I think they'd pay them both. You know, but if they are going to be cheap, like that is where they would do it. It would be the owner going, "We're not going to give a hundred and twenty million dollars to these three individuals only." Or they would just do it on the defense. 
you know. They just, just wouldn't pay anything on defense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah maybe. Uh, we'll get some phone calls in. Alex in Rockland. Alex, good morning. Good morning. How are you? We're good. How are you? Uh, I want to talk about this offense. It's been a very puzzling situation uh, with the identity, the beginning of the year versus what, how he ended it. I think Dorsey's earned the right for one more year. The stats are there. Um, I want to talk about some of these stats that you had uh, brought up. Um, the A dot for Allen is the highest in the league, which means the average depth of target. Um, our yards per after catch are at the bottom five next to the, the Bears at the bottom of the barrel. All of the playoff teams right now that are currently playing, that are still in, are in the top ten in yak. And it's always been an issue. I have nightmares of Tyreek Hill throwing the P-sign up. Now, Tyreek Hill is a special player, obviously speed that we've never seen before. Our wide receiver separation is sucks. Our speed on offense sucks. Our offensive line doesn't have enough time to protect Allen to actually accurately throw the ball down the field. So our A-dot is so high for multiple reasons because – we don't throw it to the running back, which is going to bring that dark target down and cause a, a, a off, being off balance in terms of our offense. Our turnovers are high because Allen's forcing the low percentage throws and our completion percentage is you know, kind of creeping down than it was from 2020 because he's been throwing a little bit deeper. Now, the issue is, is, are we, is Allen's strength is his rocket arm, is his ability to, to be physical and avoid pressure uh, allowing wide receivers to get a little bit deeper. But I'm not – this is going to be more on Allen. His eyes are going deep first instead of taking the seven yards and under. And that's one of the biggest issues that I see with Allen is he's kind of reverting back to a little bit of hero ball um, because the offensive line doesn't give him the pressure. We have to make adjustments. We have to get the ball out quicker. I've been watching the replays. There are guys who are wide underneath. But also, Allen doesn't hit wide run, running backs really well. They're bouncing off of his arms – tipped in the air, he's missing uh, screen passes, and I think it has to do with his elbow and his mechanics, because in order to get the ball out, you got to really quick whip your arm quick to get the ball under three seconds. Allen wants, Allen needs a little bit more time to release the ball to load into those power monster legs in order to really get the ball deep. So I wanted to get your opinion on all that, because it's pretty obvious that this team had two different offenses before the injury and before and after. And um, to a point, to a point, Alex. Thanks for this. I mean, there are two events, right? Like, the arm happens in the Jet game, and that is after the bye, right? They, the the Packer game is the first one after the bye, and the first half they look good. In the second half they don't look so good. And then the Jet game happens, and the Vikings game happens. I mean, the Vikings game he looked fine, mm-hmm. and in the Jet game he did not look fine long before the injury. So, the injury. It definitely is a factor. I don't think there's any doubt it is a factor. I think it's one of many factors. And, you know, on, on yards after catch stuff, I just want you to picture picture the highlights all year long. Picture your favorite throws. Picture yeah. the best moments. They're all rainbows, aren't they? They're all, yes, and they're all, almost all, to the sideline. Everything yeah. is to the outside. Everything's to the outside. The passing chart, think of the touchdowns they scored in the playoffs. Gabe Davis, toe-tapping touchdown. Dawson Knox, highlight reel, one-handed catch on the boundary. In this game against uh, against the Cincinnati, the there's the Gabe Davis drop. Where does it happen? On the sideline. Where all the Davis drops happen? On the sideline. The best play of the game was Gabe Davis, toe-tapping on the sideline. The, side the touchdown yeah. that wasn't against Miami is on the sideline. Their throws, if you want to talk about yak yards, a lot of it is, sure, Allen throws deep. And they also... 
play to the boundary a lot. And sometimes his throws are not where they need to be. He had a couple completions in a row to Davis and Diggs in this game where they have to fall down to catch the ball. So it's not – I mean, it's a lot of things. And sometimes I get to a point where I, I don't know if I should care about it. I've got a rocket arm quarterback that is like, you know, top five in passing every year. Sure, I'd like more yak yards. I don't want to build the entire offense out of yak yards. Mm-hmm. Give me skill right. that will give that'll that'll do that. And the Bills chase that at running back, and you know that of course never really came to fruition. So I think it all kind of goes in the mix. Offensive design is a part of it too. You know, if you're throwing deep, yeah, defenses have more time to converge on that player that's down the field. If they're if Gabe Davis or Cole Beasley is sitting in a zone and it hits them, you're not going to as Gabe Davis turn and run for too much. Right. Like, what What do they want their identity to be? Do they, do they want to be the 49ers? Because to me, that is crazy with this quarterback. Yeah, you're probably not right? going to be that. If you have Brock Purdy or, you know what, if if, if you have if you have to start Case Keenum at some point, like, fine, that's probably what you have to do. That's how the 49ers have found success. But to me, it's a, it's a square peg in a round hole to ever think that this quarterback is going to be checking the ball down to running backs, running screens, like the air yards, throwing the ball down the field, him running, like that is the bread and butter of this offense. And to me, like I you asked earlier, like, should we care about yak yardage? I don't really care about yak yardage. I care about receivers that separate. Yeah. I think this offense is is unlike San Francisco's that right now is all about what can Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle do with the ball once it's in their hands? They are all incredible with the ball in their hands. And that doesn't mean they can't get open, too. But for me, if I'm the Bills, I care less about that. And I care more about, can you get away from the defender when you don't have the football? Who's the best potential Bills weapon with the ball in their hands on a pass? Best potential yak guy. That's on the roster right on now? On the roster right now. It probably is Hines. Okay. How many catches did he get? Was it was it five? Who's second best? Is it Cook? McKenzie. McKenzie? It, McKenzie's always our answer, and he's just never, ever a big part of the offense. Right. Diggs is fine at it. I mean, he doesn't make a lot of guys miss, but he's got good enough speed to pull away and go deep. He's done it many times. Yep. Quick news. NFL honors the uh, NFL League honors finalists for Coach of the Year. Uh-huh. Sean McDermott is a finalist for Coach of the Year. There are five finalists. Nick Sirianni, Kyle Shanahan, Brian Dable, Sean McDermott, Doug Peterson. Those all seem right to me. They all, I, who's, to me, I almost could defend any one of the five winning it. Absolutely. Who's sixth? Who's on there? Who shouldn't? Who is, isn't there that should be? Um, hmm. Dan Campbell? Mike McDaniel? Mike McDaniel, no. He had it when they were eight and three and they faltered and, you know, just didn't go well enough right. for him. Uh, I I don't know if there is another. I think one. those are the five. I don't want to say Robert Salah, but he, he had, had a good year. But but they fell quarterback apart. Quarterback problems. Yep, yep. He had a good year. I I mean, if he maybe if he benches Zach Wilson like four weeks sooner, then then he could have been the answer to this. But I don't think there's a there's not a yeah there's not a good one right after this. Mark and Tonawanda, what's up, Mark? Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Um, to the other caller's point. I mean, we've suffered enough through the captain checkdowns. I hate people that call in and be like, we need Josh Allen to take care of the ball. No kidding, we need him to take care of the ball. Like, he's not trying to throw an interception. I, we love the way Josh Allen plays. I mean, he's a top three quarterback talent in the league. But, sorry, that was not why I called. Um, I like to be critical of Brandon Bean as great um, as an interview as he is. I mean, he did invest a ton in this defensive line and did not get the return that 
he was hoping for. There is no way he could say he's satisfied with the defensive line play because they got smoked on Sunday. And that, um, you know, unfortunately leads to Josh Allen not being protected as well. But I think what really set the team back was the great game Gabe Davis had against the Chiefs last year. I think it set us back a year. He was clearly not the number two that we needed. And I'm not saying I just like Gabe Davis, but I think you needed him to uh, play a role that he wasn't ready for. And how do you not have the foresight as Brandon Bean to say, hey, we should go after a guy like Calvin Ridley. It cost the Jaguars, what, a second-round pick for who's – primarily a number one receiver in Atlanta who gets, you know, some bogus jammed up because of whatever he – I mean, people have done way worse. I mean, you look at Joe Mixon of the Cincinnati Bengals, done way worse than Calvin Ridley. He's got a roster spot. It's absolutely ridiculous. But that would be my only um, uh, criticism of Brandon Bean. Um, I'm just aggravated. I wanted to beat this team. This Eli Apple garbage is driving me nuts on Twitter. (laughs) And I, I hate the Bengals. I, I I just I don't know. Other than Burrow, I hate them all. I'm all fired up. Have a good day. Thanks, Mark. To the point on defensive line, like it gets to a question. The GM pulls the name, right? That's what they like. Who pulls the card for mm-hmm. draft picks? There's a lot of there's been a lot made this week, Joe, about offensive coach versus defensive coach. Mm-hmm. Does Brandon Bean build a team in the image that Sean McDermott wants? My head coach wants. Lots of defensive linemen, wants to rotate defensive linemen. You win at the line of scrimmage. And they have continued to sink money into defensive ends and defensive line like the whole time. Money and picks. Money and picks. Crazy amount. Go back to Trent Murphy. Go back to... Mario Addison. Over and over again, yeah. And and two firsts, two seconds. Von Miller. Just all, everything has been focused on that. It really is amazing that they've done that so much. And they were so bad on Sunday, yeah. right? Like all of that. And I know not all those guys are here, but two of the first and two of the, I mean, uh, if you count Ed Oliver on the defensive line, two first and two seconds. And they were that bad on Sunday. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. And I just wonder, and I think a lot of Bills fans might wonder, if you've you come to the, the 27th pick in the first round this year, uh-huh. and all right, here we go. We're up. We've got a three-way tie. We've got a receiver, we've got a defensive tackle, and we've got a linebacker. What wins? Because, you know, sometimes these drafts, we talk about them like they're some scientific scoring system, like, oh, he's top guy on our board. We know that they group these guys into tiers, mm-hmm. and there'll be seven players here. Maybe positional value. McDermott did mention that at his press conference. You yep. know, guard is going to lose out to tackle because a tackle is more important than a guard. Guard's going to lose out to cornerback. Safety's going to lose out to cornerback because cornerbacks are worth more. So I, I just I wonder about what they might be motivated to do this time around at the draft. If rec- will they will they put receiver higher on that list? Will they just put offense? Will they say yeah. Sean McDermott is a defensive head coach that said a lot. He is the head coach of a team that has been tremendous offensively for four years. So you could say he's a defensive head coach. He does have a better offense than a lot of these offensive head coaches do. Most of them. That's true. So, you know, but, he, he's not – I don't know that he's holding back their ability to be a good offense other than does he walk in and say, we'll be taking a defensive lineman right here. You know, they've taken a lot of them. But also, like, this is going to be – this is going to be their seventh draft – and this that's 12, 12 first and second round picks in six years. And they've spent, they drafted one quarterback. 
They spent one first-round pick to get Diggs a receiver, so one quarterback, one receiver, and then James Cook, one running back. So nine defensive picks. At the skill positions, at least. That's three guys. They did draft oh, sorry, Dawkins. Dawkins and Ford. So two seconds on offensive line, but otherwise it is it's Edmonds, it's Tredavious White, it's Ford, it's or it's uh, Oliver, Epinesa, Basham, Rousseau. I mean just it's all I Elam. They've drafted it's it's wild that they've drafted more running backs in the first three rounds than they have linemen. Or is it is it a tie? Dawkins, Ford, and in the I first guess, three rounds? Yeah, and, Spencer and, Brown is a third. Spencer Brown, it might be a tie, yeah. Uh, three, tie, three, three. three. Linemen and running backs. That's ridiculous. That's insane. Insane. The running back thing. It's got to end now, right? Yeah. It has Cook, to. Cook and Hines. And Hines has to get restructured. Restructure Hines, right. And you go into next year with Cook and Hines, and then whoever you get off the street. Raheem Blackshear, who was, by the way, good in Carolina after he got cut by the Bills practice squad. Not a surprise because any running back gets plugged in and they're fine. 803-0550. Who's your vote for coach of the year? Sirianni, Shanahan, Dable, McDermott, Peterson. The finalists, according to the NFL, for the NFL honors for the AP Coach of the Year. Who's your Who's your choice? Peterson. I don't think he's going to win, but I like Doug Peterson. Oh, are you asking who I think is going to win, or who do I, who do you, I, I would vote for? Who would you vote for? I would vote for Doug Peterson. Okay. I think Doug Peterson and Brian Dable have the same case to make. Mm-hmm. An absolute fool was here before I was. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right? Like... Yeah. And I mean, I just walked in, <laughs> just a clown, and you show. wouldn't believe what the last guy was doing. Yeah. All right, we'll get a break in. Eight oh three oh five fifty. McDermott's got a case, strong case. I'm inclined to say Shanahan, but that might just be to troll you. To be honest, the, the Shanahan, you, yeah, you, the Shanahan hater. I, just, I can't stand Shanahan. Why? What's not the like? Just he wants all. He's going to get all the credit all the time. He's a genius offensive coach. Jeez, develop a franchise quarterback, and you can be a genius. Hey, Brock Purdy, man. <laughs> Mr. Irrelevant. The Purdy. What, didn't he have a bunch of nicknames? Anyway, all right. The Brockness Monster? No, it was Kid Brock. That's the one we like. Kid Brock. Kid Brock. Yeah. All right, we'll get a break in. More of your calls. We're wide open. Rest of the day. Join us. Have some fun. I'll tell you, sometimes the amount of stuff you can look at and stats and graphs and football stuff is just overwhelming. Yeah. My brain swims in a soup of graphs that I some <laughs> smart person put on Twitter. Uh-huh. You ready for the newest one? Sure. Benjamin Solak. This is a Bills tweet. This is Bills and Bengals. The average time to throw for the five elite young quarterbacks, or not all young, elite quarterbacks the last three years, their average time to throw, and then their average time to throw against the Bengals. Uh-huh. Rodgers, Mahomes, Lamar, Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. The long way to say this is short way. Lou Anarumo, the uh, defensive coordinator of the Bengals, is a professional at getting you to hold the ball longer. Mm-hmm. Every one of these guys, their average time to throw every week against Cincinnati, and it's kind of sometimes it's counterintuitive. Oh wow, they're holding the ball longer. Their defensive line must not be that good. No, he schemes it. Yeah, to get you to hold the ball longer, and they are. What they can get home, they can create havoc in the backfield. The, the, the pass right. rush can his schemes. Whether they're rushing three or yep. it's like a delayed blitz. Josh Allen held the ball a quarter of a second longer against Santa Rumo than he did the entire year. And for Rodgers, it was a half second. For Mahomes, it's three tenths of a second longer. Like every single pass, every single time, yeah. it takes that much longer to get a pass out against that Cincinnati defense. So when we're talking like quarter seconds, so. Yeah, that doesn't work for you. Mahomes gonna be able to do that with a bum ankle. 
Listen, they're going to want to. They were entirely quick passing against the Jaguars after he got injured. Yes, they were. I don't want to ever bet against Patrick Mahomes. But but, su- but Sunday, I want to bet heavy against Patrick Mahomes. Just because of the the because ankle of, and Lou Lamarillo. Because of the or, ankle yeah. and Lou and Lam- Romo. Lam- yeah, yeah not Lamarillo and Romo. I, that's going to be tough for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I want to bet heavy against them, but we'll see. Open phones on the other side. Sorry, we're late for a break again. It happens. We do it all the time, and uh, we feel shame. 803-0550 to join us. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.